You know, life's a really interesting thing. Uh, we have these paths that we go on through life, and uh, they tend to be circuitous, I think, when it's meant to be. Have you ever had that time where you ran into somebody, you met them, you spent some time together, and you thought, man, this is, this is a really cool person. This is somebody that was supposed to meet. And then you don't talk to them for a long time. Uh, one reason or another, we move across the country, we have different things that come up, and uh, then later you're able to reconnect. Well, not long ago, I was out to lunch with a good friend of mine who asked me, hey, do you remember Nakia? And I said, of course I do. This is one of the great men that I met uh, over 20 years ago. And he said, I just reconnected with him. He lives on the other side of the country, and you two have to reconnect and talk. And so we did. And in this circuitous moment of coming back together, it was great to reconnect with my friend Nakia and hear a little bit more about his story. Through this conversation, I was able to hear more about his growth, his evolution, and I don't know, some 20 years later, look back and say, what an amazing evolution this man made. Think about it for a second. How many of us in our lives get to a point where we make a choice, we make a decision that we then think, oh, life is over. I don't, I can't recover from this. I can't come back from this. I can't, I'm, I'm sad, frustrated, angry, embarrassed by what I did. And yet we forget that everything that we do in life is one moment that we can then continue to write our own story. Now, I'm going to be honest with you today. Today's story is powerful. Today's episode is going to be life-changing for many of you because all of the little things that you tell yourself, all of the things where you say, I did this and so I can't evolve past it, are going to either melt away or they are going to completely blow up and disintegrate as you hear this story. Because what I can tell you is... My good friend took a moment of his life and he used that as a springboard. He used that as the catalyst to totally change, transform his life and evolve into an extremely successful husband, father, business owner, and just deepen his greatness as a human being. All of that and more on today's episode. Welcome to the Evolve Podcast. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now, it's time to disrupt. And with that, folks, I want to officially welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast. Somewhere lost in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. And today, my guest, as I referenced in the intro, is my long-lost friend and uh, feels like a brother from another mother, <laughs> Nakia Cash. <laughs> yes. Uh, Nakia, thank you so much for joining me today. Steve, what, 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 a, what a full circle moment this has been. I mean, I cannot express the, uh, the, 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 the amount of uh, like gratitude and satisfaction it gives me to be here with you talking to you, like living this life and kind of like completing like a journey that we started so long ago together. 
It feels yeah. really good. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. And, and really is an honor to have you uh, back on. Um, it's been fun to reconnect, uh, fun to go back through the history books and look at, uh, you know, what did we do together back in the day? How did we connect? What did that look like? And I can't remember exactly where we met. I just remember that we we had worked together at a little pizza restaurant in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah called Geppetto's, which unfortunately is no longer around. But I still run into the owner uh, from time to time. Great guy, uh, John Sinclair, and uh, still connect with his family from uh, off and on here and there. And had a great time Incredible. with that those moments Incredible. of life, right? I mean, it, it was, I don't know. Incredible. There's a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, that feel the same way, that there are jobs that you have when you are younger that you look back on and think, those were the good old days. And while I'm not one to look backwards and say, those were the good old days because I really enjoy my life and I enjoy what what is and what's to come, man, those were the good old days. I mean, what a cool, cool space. (laughs) We had some great friends there. We were able to listen to live music almost every night as we're slinging pizzas and, you know, serving up pizza and beer to all the locals, serving up pizza and beer to the uh, uh, to the college students. And then I think you and, and our friend Nick, um, you guys started something new at Geppetto's that was pretty cool. It, it, we went from live music every night to what was it? I think once a week you guys were doing poetry and slam. <laughs> Once a week, there was definitely some poetry shenanigans going on. I, I can't remember it being some of the best poetry in the world, but there was definitely some attempts to uh, to do some deep thinking and, and yeah. bring some energy and vibes. <laughs> vibes there was a vibe that. to it. That's yeah. a great word to describe. There was definitely vibe. I yeah. remember, so, you know, this restaurant was was busy most of the time. Um, and not that we were completely packed all of the time, but we were busy uh, most nights of the week. But then we really every once worked. in a while. We really, we really worked. We really got to yeah. it. That, that, was, uh, that, 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 that was some honest times. <laughs> it, was a cool, it was a cool space because it was about a block or so away from the University of Utah. And it had great pizza. I, in my opinion, it had the best pizza in Utah. I know that there's some other people that say, well, the pie is better. And the pie was like right around the corner. So they were kind of like the enemy of, uh, of the, those the of us. Pie. Like <laughs> the pie. Walking around those corners was something else, man. Yeah, yeah. What a, what a nice little. <laughs> Such a cool little space, right? You could walk from the university down to Geppetto's. You could, oh, you'd walk God. past the pie and come and sit and, you know, get a pitcher of beer and, and, um, I think Wasatch, uh, you know, had their, their raspberry wheat beer was like the most ordered thing that I, uh, that I would serve. And so people would come in and get these big pizzas and a pitcher of Wasatch's raspberry wheat beer and just have a great time. You know, and students, uh, there were some, uh, older folks that would come in, uh, uh, hippies, yuppies, uh, you name it. Like it, it was, it was the gathering place. And you yeah. guys brought something really cool to it when you talk about the vibe where you started doing the poetry because every night was music except for the nights that you guys would do poetry ahead of time. And uh, there, was, there was a little bit of slam in there or having a great time with it. And, I mean, open mic poetry. It was so cool. <laughs> such, a, such a cool vibe there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I ran into... 
so some of our listeners don't know this, but, uh, you know, in my spare time, uh, I love to draw, paint, uh, create art. Uh, some might know that because of some of our episodes that we've done where we talk about art uh, with the likes of Al Rounds and Hillary Scott and some other great artists. Um, right. But I loved drawing and painting. So one day I had this idea that I uh, wanted to do some stuff for the... Uh, uh, for the store. In fact, John, uh, the owner had asked me, he said, Hey, will you, uh, could you do something? Could you maybe like a guitar, put the logo in there? Uh, so I did, I uh, created this watercolor painting where it was this multicolored guitar with the logo in it. And, uh, he turned that into the menu. That was the cover of the menu. Use that for postcards that he would send out. So I, a few years back, we were chatting. I ran into him and his, uh, uh daughter, Whitney. And, I said, you guys don't happen to have any of those old things, do you? And Whitney goes, I actually have a few menus. You want one? And so downstairs, Nikia, I've got a, uh, I've got an old Geppetto's menu with the painting that I did on the cover of oh, it. Man. It's like one of my most oh, prized man. possessions now. Uh, every once in a while, <laughs> I'd pull it out and show it to my kids. I'm like, hey, your dad was famous. Not really, but he... You know, <laughs> At least his painting was hanging up in the restaurant, and it was on the cover of the menu. <laughs> How sweet, man. That is so sweet. But it was such a cool time of creativity. I think, uh, you know, all of us were quite I a bit younger. I, oh, man, I just, remember, I just remember being, just being free and just, just, um, just having a great time and feeling safe around you guys. Yeah. Yeah, just, uh, just doing, man, just living in a, a, a great abundant life at that time. And I was turning over, I was turning over some very important leaves in my life at that time. Mm -hmm. Some super important, some super important leaves at that time. I was in Salt Lake City because I was studying massage therapy at the Utah College of Massage Therapy. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. I was spending some time at the University of Utah because we had cadaver labs. Mm -hmm. There was a housing situation that the Utah College of Therapy provided for me. So I was fairly close to Geppetto's. Yeah. So it just made sense for me to walk down there and kind of kind of work. And so um, that's where I was uh, just cutting my teeth at just learning how to to live a a, a, a beautiful and, and free life. It yeah. was, uh, it was, it was an enormous, it was an enormous time in my life. It was a, a time of just superior mental and spiritual growth. And I, and I, uh, I needed to be there at that time. And I needed that community that I had at that time. And I remember just soaking up a lot of love and a lot of, uh, a lot of grace that was shown to me while I was there. You know, yeah. so it was yeah. always it was always good vibes. It was always good vibes. That was always the way that I uh, that I tried to work and I tried to uh, try to lead my life at that time. You know, it, it's pretty cool when I, I as we say on the podcast from time to time, as you evolve your body, mind and soul, you'll find your tribe. Yes. Your tribe evolves as you do those other things. And so I, when I'm coaching people, I never tell them, oh, go out and find people and do this networking thing like that's just that to me that's garbage just evolve your body evolve your mind evolve your soul your tribe will find you you will, you will attract the people and one of the things that i loved about 
the the group, the tribe that we had back then was a lot of like-minded individuals who were just playing with creativity in multiple ways, right? I was still doing some art. Um, you know, my wife was finishing up her bachelor's uh, of fine arts in art. Um, mm-hmm. You and Nick were playing around with poetry. Um, you know, music was a part of this. We're working in this place where live musicians would come in. We're connecting with creative people. You're going through this combination of science and art with massage therapy school. I'm studying more on the fitness side, which to me is that combination of art and science. And so we just, we, we found each other at a time that I think was a really, really cool time. And, um, you know, it, it, as life typically does, we tend to go in different directions for a period of time. In fact, Nick and I lost uh, contact for a few years as he moved on and decided to go mm-hmm. into law school. And then yeah. eventually he moved wow. back to Utah and here, you know, we got reconnected and, uh, we'll, we've had, I've actually had him as a guest, uh, host with us a couple times. And he was a, we did an episode with him, um, talking, uh, talking about the death penalty and really it was about death penalty, but it was about how do, how does a person evolve their way of thinking both politically, religiously, uh, and just really as in general. How do you take something that could be a really hard topic and evolve your way of thinking by remaining open? And so we had that that uh, conversation with Nick, and then, uh, you know, Nick has been a, uh, a, a co-host, a special guest co-host a couple of times. So yeah. it, it's cool to see when life just becomes a circuitous path and we come back to people that we connected with before who are still on this similar life evolution. We all evolve in different ways, but yet there's a soul there that uh, resonates, right? There's this creativity, this desire to continue to evolve as human beings. And I think that's part Mm. of what creates the magnetism where we, we come back together at a certain point. Man, I was, I remember, I remember talking with Nick, Nick and I, we, we had this unique relationship back in the day. And we just, every so often, we connect. Mm. And we just have these really short but sweet conversations. And we share these photos. And we just take our time and we go back, to the mirror, uh, back through memory lane. And I just so impressed how Nick has evolved, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the lawyer, the lawyer that he has become, yeah. the lawyer that he's become, the man that he's become, his evolution was, um, is just shocking and surprising. And I just love to see, just love to see it. And I remember when Nick first mentioned your name, the first thing I, I thought was, man, I can't remember him, but I remember the spirit of the man. Mm. I remember mm. the spirit of this guy. I remember that this guy was a genuine guy and that, that this guy walked me into some very, some very beautiful doors. I remember you bringing me to Christmas. Yeah. I remember, yeah. <laughs> I remember celebrating some things with you. It was, um, it was an amazing time at my, uh, uh, it was just an amazing time. And the way that we, circle back in life and circle back in, into people's life. I mean, there's no such thing as 
is coincidence that you have evolved into this person that is out in that 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 is putting this type of material out into the world. I had no doubt. And so when he mentioned the podcast, I was like, wow, man, that that is everything that we had talked about. Right, right. So many years ago. Yeah. So many years ago. I mean, we're talking 1999, 2001. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is before you know, this was before World Trade Center, definitely, right? Right. This yeah. was early. Yeah. This was early. This was very formative times. Yeah. So we've seen a lot of, we've seen a lot since we've seen each other and we formulated <laughs> a lot since we, we've last seen each other, you know, and, and that's why I'm here. I'm here because um, I just wanted to give you, give you some insight into where I've been and how I've been living. Um, I'm just, um, I'm just so blessed to be where I am right now. And so I wanted to give your audience just some insight into my worldview, into who I am before we even start, right? Because we're going to tell a deep story today. Mm -hmm. um, and the story is going to be um, about domestic violence, and it's also going to be about gun violence. So we would like to get uh, kids maybe that are in, within earshot. Maybe we should get them um, out of the room or, or just wait to a later time to, to, to finish listening to this podcast. But I just wanted to give everybody that are sensitive to certain things an opportunity to kind of like clear out and understand that this is going to be, you know, a, a very, a very heavy conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate um, that. And we talked about that yeah. ahead of time that for our listeners, I mean, this, this is a, uh, a conversation and a story that is going to go deep into uh, some of these uh, topics that uh, certainly are not for the ears of, uh, of, of, of the youth unless, um, you know, screened by a parent ahead of time, uh, because, uh, you know, the context, uh, of, of what we're talking about, I think is, is really powerful and really important. And we're telling a, uh, we're telling your story, your authentic story, uh, yeah. as, as it happened and, uh, yeah. the challenges that you, you went through and that you had to go through, um, to become the man that you are today. So I appreciate yeah. you uh, uh, setting that disclaimer out there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So look, we, we put the disclaimer out there. We 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 got we got we got everybody on notice. So now we're gonna kind of like kind of go. We're gonna go there a little bit. But before we go there, I just want the audience. I just want people out there to understand my worldview as an American. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm an American. I I, I have that indomitable American spirit that cannot be quelched or, 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 or smothered down easily. I'm a fighter, right? That's what this country has made me. That's what it has made all of us. We're all survivors. And it is time for us to look deep within ourselves, look really, really, really deep within ourselves and understand that we have to begin forgiving ourselves first mm -hmm. in life, right? So before you can have that body, the mind, 
the tribe and that spirit to evolve yourself. Sometimes you got to look at yourself and you got to be real with yourself and you got to forgive yourself. Yeah. That's, 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 that's first, that's first and foremost. You can't have anything in this life until you can forgive yourself. You can be naive. You can be blind to a lot of things. Yep. Yeah. But until until you forgive yourself, you cannot have certain things in this life. Period. Point blank. And I've had some of the best things in life. I've had some of the best things life has has to offer. I've traveled to Europe. I've seen the David. I've been to Florence. Mm. I've lived in London. I've been on the set of Star Wars. I've met some impeccable actors. I've been to some some great places in life. I'm at a great place in life right now where I have my own business. I'm thriving. I'm living a pretty great life. I have a beautiful wife. I have a beautiful kid. Look, I would not jeopardize anything in my life um, for, 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 for the way that I'm living. You understand? I, I'm yeah. not going to do it because I have a great life. I have a a a magnetism to where great people are attracted to me. That's just how I live, yeah. right? Yeah. That's just the way it is. That's how that's how all this was able to come full circle. All right. So I want you to really, really, really settle into. I'm a happy man. I'm a great man. Look, I'm a real man. That's a pillar of the community type of guy. That's the kind of guy that I've evolved into. It's real. I'm out here on Cascade. I'm on a real, on a street. Like people see me, people love me. I've done the best that, that, that I could do and I'm going to do great. And Steve, why, the reason why I'm here is because I want to do great. I want to do better and I want to reach greater heights. Right. But enable for me to do it. I feel that, Number one, I have to tell this story, right? Because it's it's a cross that I bear and I want to get it off my chest. And sometimes the best way to get things off the chest is to just sit down and talk to a friend, tell the narrative, and woosa. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking for the big woosa, woosa moment of my life because I'm 49. I'm I'm about to be 50. You understand? I'm 50. That's, that's, that's big numbers. Yep. yep. That's, that's, that's big numbers, right? That's, that's. It's probably halfway through your life at this point. That's halfway. Maybe. That's halfway yeah. through my life, man. That's yeah. halfway through my life. And Steve, I'm committed not to live the next half of my life. The way that I live that half of my life. Mm. That's just the way that it is for me. And, and there's a lot of people that's out there with me. And if you're with me, Let's go. Let's get let's get to the goodness. You know what I'm saying? Let's grow old gratefully. Let's love on each other a little bit more and let's start forgiving each other. That that's my message. Steve, do you remember you remember everything about me? You remember some things about me, but I don't think that you really knew what I was going through at that time. 
Yeah, there wasn't a lot. I think when, when you and I met and we started connecting, um, you know, we spent some time together. Like you mentioned, uh, you, you came over to the house for Christmas. Um, you know, we, we had uh, moments together at, uh, at work. We had some uh, moments outside of work. There was just, you know, good, good times. But uh, we had some good, deep discussions. But I could always tell that there was something underneath, a little bit more. There was something that was... Uh, whether it was pain, torture, or just some of the things that we were working through at the time, I could sense it, but it was one of those things that I thought, I'm not going to pry. We're going to, we're having some good, deep conversations. We had, uh, some, some beautiful, beautiful conversations. In fact, I think I mentioned to you a couple, uh, a couple weeks ago when we were chatting that, um, you asked me one day, you looked at a piece of paper that I had, and you said, what is that? And I said, well, that's, that's my mission statement. That's kind of where I want to go in life. That's my, you know, that's who I am. That's what I want to become. And you said, let me see that. And that wasn't something that I had, would share with people. It was just something I would read, and I would kind of reset. That's like my compass of uh, how I would, you know, evaluate myself to my life. And you read through this, and you had handed it back to me, and you just said, what do you mean that that's who you want to become? I said, well, that's, that's what I believe my mission in life is ultimately. And you said, that's who you are. Like, that's it right now. And that, that was one of those moments that shifted me internally. It made me realize that from an outside perspective, what I had written down, even if it was that I was embodying that in a very small, very minute way, I was already embodying it. Maybe it wasn't the resonance or the magnitude that I wanted to ultimately, and that's why I continue to do what I do of trying to help other people uh, improve their lives, transform their lives. But that was a moment that shifted for me. And we had a few conversations like that, that uh, I, you know, your depth, your wisdom would come out. But I had no idea what you were going through and didn't until, what, maybe a, a month or two ago when we reconnected. Wow. Wow. That's yeah, man. So the whole time, listen, man, the whole time I was in Salt Lake city, I was there because I was on parole and probation. Mm -hmm. I was breaking the cycles of violence, the cycles of poverty, and just some very, very, very necessary chains that need to be broken in my life. Um, when I was 16 years old, this was 1991. I shot and killed my mom's abusive boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And I have sat with that and I have lived with that pain and had, had endured that all throughout that process, all throughout my education process, all throughout my process of becoming a young man, I mean, shit, that, that was, that was basically my initiation into manhood, Yeah, you know, and I became a man all too sudden because of a, because of circumstances and things in life that were sort of out of my control, in my control, in my domain. It, it was, it was, it was a fucked up situation, man. And I look back at that situation and I just have to always find ways to unpack it 
because what I can tell you right now is I'm turning 50 and I'm older than everyone that was in the situation at that moment. Yeah. yeah. My mom, my mom, her boyfriend, I'm older than all of them at that time. They were in their thirties. Right. And I remember a lot. I remember a lot of pain. I remember a lot of violence and stuff like that growing up in my life. You know, I just come from one of those places that it took a lot for you to survive. Yeah. Right. I come from, I'm from the city of New Orleans and I'm talking 1991, like murder capital of the world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we, we were raised in a, we were raised in a pretty vicious environment, but by the grace of God and by some hard work from my mom, my grandmother, my family, we were able to lift ourselves out of that place and get ourselves into a steady, into a, a into a steady state. You know, my mom worked hard, my grandmother worked hard, everybody worked hard, and everybody pretty much gave me the best life that they probably could could have given at that time. And I'm going to, we're going to elaborate on that some more, but the journey, the journeys, the journey, Steve, the journey of pain, the journey of anguish, the journey of shame that, that, that I've carried, uh, because I felt ashamed to tell the story. I felt ashamed to live my life because I've had this. There were times where I couldn't get certain jobs, times where I just felt like I couldn't, couldn't, I, I couldn't exist there. I, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. There was times where I felt so downtrodden and times where I just was so lost and so bewildered. I didn't know what to do. But Steve, the only thing that we can do is dig a little deeper and take another step, take another breath and keep on moving. That's the only thing that we can do. And that's the reason why I'm here. I'm here because I want to tell a story to help to motivate people to keep moving. You know, there's a lot of, uh, there's some of our listeners, I think, that could resonate to say, hey, I grew up in a a situation where survival was the number one thing. Some of our listeners won't. They don't understand that. They've never really had to survive. They grew up in, uh, you know, middle class or upper middle class or, or beyond. And survival was not a thing. And so this idea of what does that look like? What does that feel like to wake up in the murder, murder capital of the U.S. at the time to have to think through survival? I mean, we're literally talking about, um, a, a, a situation where you have people just trying to live, just trying to survive. And in order to do that, they feel like they have to do things that you don't have to do at different stages of protection, right? So if I, if I have a house, I grew up in a middle-class family, um, I'm not so much worried about survival and feeding my family and protecting my family. And so I don't have to worry about attacks from outside, right? But if that's not the case, and I'm living in an environment where that is the case, then 
it, it's a totally different scenario. And so I think that there's some of our listeners that will really resonate with it. There are some that uh, will be curious to say, oh, let me put myself in that space mentally and emotionally. And that would be my challenge to everybody is put yourself in the space mentally and emotionally to say, how would that feel to be in the state, in the space where survival is critical? Now, you mentioned this situation that your mom, your grandma, they did everything they could to provide for you to serve, uh, to help you to survive. But you grew up uh, having to having to battle uh, to a certain degree. Walk yeah, us sure. through what that looked like and uh, kind of walk us through the scenario be- with uh, your mom and, uh, and her boyfriend. And so, I mean, you know, to, to bring you back, to bring you back to that time, you know, I have to bring you back with like just way, way back. Right. I just have okay. to bring you back so that, so that you could understand like how I even, like how we, how we got, mm-hmm. you know, my, my, my father is a drill sergeant in the United States Army, right? Um, so we were, we were raised, it was a military brat most of my life. So most of my life I was raised traveling, living on these military bases. Um, so I've, I've seen a lot from there and I developed a lot from there. Yeah. Right. Um, these were, these were good times in my life. These were great times. I knew that I wanted to be a pilot. I knew that, I knew that I wanted to emulate and I knew, emulate my dad. I I knew that I I wanted to be a soldier. Um, my mom and dad divorced. And when my mom and dad divorced, my mom and dad divorced like very violently. It was, it was just not a good, it was not a good situation for, for any of us. So my mom and dad divorced. We go back to what my mom knows and what my mom knows is what is, is, is where she grew up, right? She grew up in the projects of New Orleans. And Mm -hmm. so my mom brought us there. So we were there for a spell. I, 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 I knew that we were there for at least two years. We were there for a spell. I remember sixth, seventh grade. I'm in a Catholic school. I'm, I'm living in a projects in New Orleans. I'm going to a Catholic school. And I knew that my environment was just hell. It was, it was guerrilla style warfare nearly every day. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was young kids at 16, 17 years old running around with AR 15s and these, these, these military style rifles Still to this day, like this is the kind of material and, and the kind of stuff that these kids are playing with. And at 14, 15 years old, you know, you're called you're called to a level of action that you've you've never seen before. Yeah. Like survival, survival in the streets of of, uh, of America is a real thing. Yeah. You cannot be a you can't be a chump in America. I mean, yeah. you you can. <laughs> Look, you cannot be a chump in this in this place. You will get smashed around, right? And so, growing up ha- having to survive means that you have to adapt to your environment. You know, you got to stand up in your environment, and that's 
what I remember having to do. I remember having having to stand up, having to be a man inside of having to be a young man. I was a boy. I remember having to be a a bigger boy than necessary to even make it through my my natural day in my environment. So I was always I was just always charged, you know. And so and so going through that, going through that, living through that day to day, having to balance your life with not getting robbed, not getting shot, not getting this, not getting that, not falling into all of the traps, bro. It was like a day-to-day, it was, it, it was a day-to-day gravity that, that, that just weighed on you. Yeah. Right. And you're that a kid. Still. I mean, literally you're a kid. You're, you're it, middle it, school, junior high, it, not even high school. Yeah, I was a kid, yeah. man. I was a kid, man. I was a kid. So, so eventually, Look, eventually we we eventually we raised ourselves out of that environment. But my mom was still cycling in 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 and out of what she was going through. I think that she was very hurt um, because of her divorce from my dad. She was feeling a lot of pain because of that. So, you know, she was drinking and, and, and having fun and trying to be a trying to be a young woman at her time at that time in life and i look back at my 30s i'm 50 i'm 50 i can actually look back at my 30s i'm turning 50 so i can look back at my 30s that's why i say like now i have a whole new level of compassion yeah for everybody involved in my personal situation because i've grown to see so much shit in my life. And now I have to be the ultimate forgiver of everything, right? Yeah. You gotta forgive all of that shit, all of these, all of these actions, man. And and that's what um that's what I'm coming to terms with, right? That's why I'm here. I'm here because I want to tell you that no matter what you've seen in your life and how miserable your life was, you gotta take the next step. And that's what this is about. Yeah, it's 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 survival. It's survival one on one. If you want to have that life, you got to take the next step. So you talked about that at a at a certain point, you guys uh, moved forward into a slightly different life. Grandma was around, mom was around, but uh, mom was mom was struggling. Mom was uh, dealing with alcohol. She was uh, struggling with the. Uh, maybe some doubts, maybe some depression, maybe some things that were related to yes. the divorce. Right. Yep. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll be 47 next month. And I look back to my early thirties and when you're a kid, you think of your parents in their thirties, you're like, yeah, they're, they're older, they're adults. They got it all figured out. That's not the case. Right. <laughs> I mean, I look back to my early thirties and think, Oh my gosh, I wish I could go back and give that guy some advice. Yeah. So mom's struggling. Um, Yes. Walk us, walk us through what happened. I think my mom was struggling. No, I don't think she was struggling. Fuck it, it, it is yeah. what it is. My mom was struggling, and I think, and and I, you know, what happens is when you're in these type of struggles, I think that that's what you attract. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that when you're not ready to to date, you shouldn't date. You know. I think that my mom was attracting some 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 just some, some, some negative, some negative energy, mm-hmm. right? Just energy. Right. 
And I don't like to, like right now I'm at the stage of my life where I don't like to, to really, um, to really label the energy in you. You mm. understand what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Like right now I'm too, I'm, I'm so much to a point where in my life, like whatever it was, it has to, it has to be dissolved. So the energy of whatever was go going on, like it, it, it's, it's so far removed from me. So my mom is in this state where she's dating, she's dating a guy and I just know that, you know, I just knew that things weren't right. I just, I just could sense it, you know, but it was something that, that was just never, never really spoken about. Right. Yeah. Just never, never really said anything. Um, I just remember Steve, quite frankly, being fed up with everything that I had, had ever seen fed up with, um, with all of the drama that goes on with survival, right? I've seen yeah. so much. I had seen, I had seen so much. And it's kind so of weird on you over time, right? I mean, it, it's, if you're in survival mode every single day, it's got to wear on you over time. It's too much. It kind of, it kind of wears on you all the time. Yeah. Right? Constant stream of stress. Constant stream of stress. Yeah. So, so we're we're there, and uh, I don't know how to get into the story, Steve. So let's talk about it. So you see mom, and she's going through, she's dating some people. She's right. struggling. You see her struggling. You're a young kid. You're 15, 16 years old at this time. 15, 16 years old, man. 15, 16 year old, adolescent brain, male brain, partially developed, right? I mean, we don't, we don't fully develop our brains into probably mid twenties, uh, which means that mm -hmm. the, and the parts of the, uh, the male brain that develop a little bit later than what the female brain does is the ability to, uh, emote in a, uh, in, in a healthy way. So, uh, that ability to understand emotions, to, uh, have self-awareness, to have emotional awareness, uh, it, it's just not there. So typically what young men do is they take the emotions and they bury them down. Uh, they're not dumb. They're not stupid. They don't uh, miss the cues. They don't miss the things that are going on around them. They feel it. They take that energy, they bury it down. And so then from what I'm understanding from our conversations, you've got a constant stream of stress of surviving you're surviving every single day as a 15, 16 year old man. You are not only surviving, you're now looking at mom and you're saying, well, mom's going through some shit. This guy that she's with is constantly treating her poorly. You know, this is your mom. This is the woman that right. uh, you, yeah. you never, you never really talk bad enough about another person's mom because that's mom, right? Everybody has a reverence for mom. The person that gives you life, you have reverence for. And so there's a protectiveness to that, especially if dad's not around. There's a protectiveness. Uh, there's this feeling that you want to take care of and protect mom because you're you're the one that's around. And Steve, so that's I, the feeling, I, I, if I'm understanding. I, yeah, man. I, I, that's that. I, I just remember needing to protect, needing, feeling this need to protect. Yeah. To become this to become just protective. 
And, 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 and as humbly as I can say it, that's what I became. I became yeah. a fierce, I, be, I became a fierce protector of my family. Um, today, I'm still a protector of my family. You know, I have to be a right. protector of my family. Um, I love my wife. I love my son. Um, again, part of why, part of why I want to tell the story and part of why the story is so, so hard for me to get into the emotional, um, the emotional tightrope that I have to walk to even tell the story, Steve, um, it, it's, 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 um, it's hard, you know, yeah. it's hard, yeah. it's hard. So, so thank you. Thank you for, for, for working with me in that moment, because that, that, that was a, that was a moment and I don't want to get emotional. You know, I really don't want to get too emotional, yeah. but no, I get you. I get you, but it's okay. Yeah. Too. I mean, look, the reality is that masculinity is, is extremely important in our lives. We've got to have that masculine, that dominance, that ability to uh, protect. And I actually believe that true masculinity in its full, fully formed thought is not just the strength. It's not just the protectiveness. It's not just the uh, the toughness, the resilience. It's not just that, but right. it's the ability to tap into the deeper emotional states as well. It's being a gentle man, right? Two things: gentle yeah. and man. And man yes. is protective. Man is provider man is uh you know strong resilient all of those qualities but gentle is the thing that's inside of us every man that i've ever met where we if we sit down and we have a conversation uh about how they how they present how they show up um there's a gentleness in all of us there is a uh, a, a softness that balances out that hard rough exterior and so being a gentle man is uh, it, it's part of our evolution and so you know here you are 15 16 years old there are yeah. parts of you that are waking up the protective parts they're also tapping into the parts of you that feel very deeply the parts of you that are um not comfortable you know the parts that are man, are, are kind of the soft belly man, of the I, turtle right I, yeah, yeah. It felt like, it felt like, look, the Orishas, these, these great spirits were just fucking yeah. rowling up inside of me. I had yeah. no, when I was 16, I had no control of like my emotional state. You yeah. know, I was just a young, a young guy. I was pretty smart. I was always like this little poet kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, I was always very, you know, very good looking, very charming. The women right. loved me. I was doing great in school. I was yeah. a good, I was a good kid. We, we had that great middle-class look, you know, mm -hmm. we struggled. Yeah. We, we got out of, out of it. My mom, you know, despite all of the everything, I have to tell you that my mom was a very beautiful person very stylish the way that she she wore her clothes and the way that she did things it just makes you laugh man it just makes you laugh because she was she was just this beautiful person and she just enjoyed life to the fullest you know our house was our house was the party party house you know our house was the party house it was you know where where it was always lit but at at the same time sometimes it was a little bit too much yeah you know and, 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 and that's all, 
you know, and that's what it was. But let me um, let me give you a quick segue, man. Let me give you a quick segue, right? I found myself. I found myself one day. I found myself one day like in tears. Mm. Okay. I was in tears. And I realized that it was morning. I was asleep. I woke up. I was in tears. Yeah. Right. I had cycled back into that night in my head. And and everything came crashing down on, on me. That anxiety, the pain of that night, everything came crashing down on me. And that was that was probably a, a week before I had an opportunity to even hear your name. Mm. Right? The weight of that night came crashing down upon me. And let me tell you, man, it it awoken something in me. It awoken something in me. It awoken like a new level of want and a new level of need and a new level of, of freedom, bro. I was in so much pain from my sleep, right? Yeah. Waking up, waking up into the day. And I went about my morning and I worked out and I stayed and I stayed quiet. And that's when I made the decision. That's when I, that's when it came to my realization that, that I, that I just had to, that I had to tell the story. Right. Yeah. So Steve, with, with all of that information, everything that, that, that we've just talked about, right. One night I'm walking home, walking home, me young kid, I'm walking home. And I could have been coming from anywhere. That's nebulous. I could have been coming from my aunt's house. My aunt may have dropped me off. I don't know, but it was something very nebulous. Mm -hmm. So I'm walking home. As I'm walking home, I'm approaching the house. My mom's boyfriend's car is there. The window is rolled down just enough for me to see the gun on the seat. Yeah. His, gun, his gun. It was his gun. His gun. It was his yes. gun. So I'm walking home. His gun is on, on the seat of, of the car. It's on a passenger seat of the car. Tribe, tribe called Quest in your ears, right? Tribe called Quest in my ears. I'm listening mm -hmm. to some music because that, that was the guy that I was forming. Yeah. These, were, these were formative years of my life, right? Where I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting all of that beatnik poetry stuff, yeah. right? I'm realizing that I live in the city of New Orleans and all of these great jazz musicians are living around me and yeah. all of these important people and all of these influences are around me. And I'm, I'm beginning to put together the picture of the man that I want it to be. Yeah. Some, of, some of all of this is, is, is coming to be. I take the gun. I go inside. My mom, her boyfriend, they're entertaining, right? Drinks, mm -hmm. you know, they're entertaining, you know. It. So yeah. I couldn't give them the gun. 
So I take the gun, I go upstairs, put the gun away. I go to sleep. When I wake up, when I wake up, it's, it's just loud, it's just a loud eruption. It's my mom screaming. It's, it's the worst sound in the world. I run downstairs. And you're woken up, really, by the sound, right? I mean, you didn't just, just naturally up, wake no, up. You're no, woken no, no, up no. by the sound. Woken yeah. up by the sound. Yep. And this is where, this is why, this is why, this is why, this is where things are deep, right? Yeah. Yeah. Things are deep because you can leap out of a state. You can leap out of a state into another state like that yeah. and two and in one point second bro you will make a mistake mm -hmm. that will change the course of your life hopping out of states that's yeah. a problem it's a problem drunk states high states all of these different states of mind yeah. that we try to run to it, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't help us. It doesn't do us any good. You have to stay in that present state. Yeah. Okay. I wake up. I hear my mom screaming. She's being overpowered by a broomstick. And the soldier in me takes over. Mm -hmm. Something else in me takes over. The protective and piece. The, the, the protective piece takes yeah. over. And I shoot and I kill this, this poor man. And I say, I say poor man because, again, I'm turning 50. This is important. This is important knowledge for everybody out there. I'm older than everybody in that situation. I'm now older than everybody in the situation. So I'm looking back at this situation like, bro, Nobody was in the right that night. Yeah. Nobody was in the right. Right. And I remember this poem Invictus. Mm. And that's what I knew I had to become in order to get through this shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because in a blink of a second, I was charged as an adult. I was charged with second degree murder. I was not giving given a fair look at this, right? This is a, a domestic case gone wrong and it was it was all fucked up. And so now I found myself 16 years old in handcuffs, in shackles, in jail. That's 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 how I found myself. And in this country, you're guilty until you're proven broke. And thank God that my family wasn't broke. Thank God we were far from rich, but thank God we wasn't broke. And I bond out. And I fought this case from the outside. Okay. Now I get out. I'm 16 years old with a second degree murder charge on, 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 on me. Yeah. A felony. I can't go back to school, not back to the school that I wanted to go to. Mm -hmm. I'm at a point in my life where I'm choosing where I was choosing to go to 
better schools, get a better education, right? I mean, I'm, I was I was formulating all of this before this happened. So now my whole trajectory has changed, but I knew that I had to take control. And that's what I did. I, 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 I went into overdrive and I formulated a plan for myself. And I just stuck to the goddamn plan, Steve. Yeah. And I just never looked back. I just never, I never looked back, Steve. I just, I never looked back. I worked my ass off. I've dedicated my life to recovering the body, to healing the body, to taking mm-hmm. care of the body. I've dedicated my life to forgiving myself, forgiving yeah. people around me. I've, I've became a very impassioned, compassionate, humble man. Yeah. You know, I, I've never, like Steve, I've never wanted to shine bright. I was always afraid to, to shine. I was always covered. I was always wearing hats. And I just never wanted to be, I never wanted to be a light in the world. I never wanted to share my story mm-hmm. ever, ever, Steve. I never thought about sharing this. And I, I have some pretty good friends that are advocates. They speak in prisons. They speak to people. They, they do a lot of, a lot of stuff. Steve, I never, ever wanted to share my story. And I mean that from, from, to, from, from the bottom of my heart, but I just had to let it, let it go because I know what it means to ask God for forgiveness. I know what it means to have come from a really shitty place in life. I really do. And I've done, look, and, and, and I, you know, Steve, I have not been the best human, you know, but I forgive myself and I forgive others and I ask others to forgive. Me. And a part of part of what I wanted to do today, Steve, with your podcast is I wanted to show myself, show people around me, honor my family, honor everybody around me with a gift of, of, of showing them what it is for me to truly attempt to lift this weight off of me in such a powerful and inspiring way. And hopefully that, and hopefully that this gives someone out there a measure, a measure, some fucking oomph to fucking make it through the next day. Fuck. Come on, man. You know, there's, There's a few things that really like uh, (laughs) not only stand out from your story right now that we we just talked about, but when you and I first talked, um, number one, you were a kid. Like I, you know, we talk about, we talk about, right. Yeah. You were a kid and and you made, you made a decision, a split second, second decision based on protection, based on, being in this stressful circumstance and you know situation, yes. I think back to when I was a sixteen-year-old, I was a dumbass. I, I mean, I still am, but I'm less of a dumbass <laughs> now. But your kid right. that goes through and and deals with this situation in a way that that was the, that that was it, 
right? You're a kid. The second thing that really hit me when we first talked and you told me the story, you said to me the same thing you said right now. I took this poor man's wife. And that that hit me pretty deep because that speaks volumes to your understanding, not only of what you did, but that this was a, a, a man that he was poor in many respects, right? Anybody that is being another woman um, does not have wealth of emotional stability, doesn't have wealth of spiritual health, doesn't have wealth of anything. There is, there's a poor man. And so in many, many respects, this is a poor man. But also, as you said before, you've lived another almost 20 years past what uh, any of the players in the story were. And you've seen over the past 20 years what uh, your life has been like and how you've evolved. And um, I, I think one of the things that really resonated with me when you and I talked is you said that man couldn't experience anything beyond because I took his life. And I think that speaks volumes to the way that you see the situation, the way you see yourself, to the way that you see the world, your part yeah. in the world. And yeah, absolutely. forgiveness, right? That's probably the last thing that really stands out to me is this idea of forgiveness. And I couldn't agree more. Forgiving yourself is where life starts. When you forgive yourself, when you take a step back and you forgive yourself, you're now open to see the future. Like when you told me your story and I thought back to some of the time that we had spent together and I thought about the conversation as we were having it and I thought, ah, shit, man, you were, you were a kid. Like, yeah, I, I'm, there's no judgment here. Like, yeah. I mean, even just hearing the circumstances, the situation, like even if you were in your 20s, I'd probably think the same thing, right? The, I, I just, so there's no judgment, but yet, Far too often, we look at our life and we say, look at that decision I made, you know, back here at this time. Oh, for fuck's sake, give yourself a break, you know. And and I'm not saying that to you. I'm, I'm saying that in general. That as human beings, we look back and we think that we were supposed to have shit figured out at a certain time in life because of a number on the calendar. No, we, we, we grow in many ways. And when we look back and we say, oh, yeah, that happened, and it happened because of these things, these circumstances, these situations. Now I've learned from it. I've grown. I've evolved. I've moved past it. And so that idea of having some compassion is so critical. Like We don't move forward without compassion. It just doesn't happen. Forgiveness. And really compassion to me is the act of forgiveness followed up by the continued act of love for self. That's where compassion is, right? If I, if somebody does something to me, uh, I can forgive them, which is essentially just saying, okay, yeah, it's water under the bridge. But compassion means that there is an act on a consistent basis where I'm going to reach out and I'm going to lift up that person. And if that person is my former self, if that person is another human being, then compassion takes action. And I think that's one of the biggest things that resonated with me as you and I talked about this story. You made a choice, but then you also made multiple choices over the years to move yourself into a, uh, into a different direction. You referenced Invictus, and I want to, for our listeners, I think, unfortunately, some of the greats are just not read, taught, uh, you know, before, or, I mean, in, in this day and age, and I want to read that 
for our uh, listeners and then come back to, uh, you know, how you've crafted your life uh, moving forward. So this is uh, actually one of my favorite poems. Um, this is probably in my top top three or top four uh, favorite poems by William Ernest Henley. Out of the black, or excuse me, out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate or how charged the punishments of the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Now I would encourage our listeners to go read the story behind that poem it will cut you deeper than even just hearing those words. But Nakia, you are a representation of that poem. You have created your own life. You have been the master of your fate and the captain of your soul. You didn't let one decision define you, and you started to move in a way that became who you wanted to be. That, that man that you were envisioning before this happened, you have become that man. And... In life, too often, we think that when something happens, that is the end of our story. But it's not. That's one part. The story's not over. You still got another 50 years, probably, right? <laughs> I mean, the way you live, I mean, you look like you're in your 20s. So you might have another 60, 70 years. might outlive me. Um, That's the goal. <laughs> the, uh, talk about some of the, cha- the, the, the choices that you've made. Uh, throughout your life that have moved you towards being the evolved man that you are now? Steve, the most, you know, the most important choice, the most important shit, man, the most important choice is loving myself, like really, really, really realizing like shit, man, I got to love myself because if I don't, if I don't love myself, nobody else is going to do it. Yeah, it is. And then once that's a fucking choice. Yeah. And so then choice to do it or choice to not do it. Right. I mean, it's a choice. Exactly. Yeah. And so then from there, it's like if you're loving yourself, everything else has to has to abide by that philosophy. Yep. Looking good, feeling yep. good, eating good, working out the proper sleep, working out um, uh, even even the way that we choose to to work and earn our money. All of right. that affects our our health and our our wellness. Health is um, health is wealth. A lot of these things that a lot of these lifestyles that people are living, it's not really it's not really providing what they need to be systematically healthy. And you can kind of see that in certain certain things. Yeah. I live a life to where I am systematically healthy. I've learned to edit out a lot of things and and, and only use what I need. I'm, I'm a true Spartan when it comes to um, to lifestyle choices. I believe the yeah, few, the, 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 few <laughs> the, the, the fewer ingredients, the better, yep. you know, and that's the way that I run my business. That's the way that I run everything. I try to, as a, I'm a solopreneur, so I'm by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, I, I built the practice to where I could sustain a, a, a great lifestyle off of what, what I make. Right. And I don't live beyond these crazy beyond my means. So I am happy um, in my financial structure. I'm happy because I have a great community of friends and a great network of people that, that, that are around me. These are things and all of the actions that I've taken taken over the years to ensure that I'm healthy, that and that and that I am uh, functioning functioning at max maximum capacity. I have people people in my life, so community, uh, loving yourself, um, being financially stable, and by not being able to take care of everything that you need. These are these are the fundamental. <laughs> the fundamental ingredients to uh, to anything, you know. I bought, I own my house. I mean, you know, life is uh, life is life is good. So there are direct, 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 direct implications to loving yourself, forgiving yourself, and moving forward. I want to talk a little I, bit I about know. the moving forward piece. I mean, you made a lot of Go conscious ahead. choices. Um, I, I, I haven't been through what you've been through, you know, yes. and, and I have not. And so I can't pretend to say I can totally empathize because I, you know, my growing up was different. I was in that uh, middle-class household. I didn't really have to think about protection and, and um, you know, the stress that I had was a different type of stress. So I, I, I haven't been through that. Um, a few years back, there was, uh, I remember I was running a health club and, uh, we got a call that a gentleman, uh, we called it a code 100 and that's essentially where someone is down, they're passed out. Uh, this gentleman had had a, uh, uh, an aneurysm and I got on the scene and one of the trainers that was, that worked for me was already, um, uh, there and trying to assess the situation and we jumped in and we started to do CPR. And this man was uh, already gone before he had hit the ground, but we uh, you know, banged on his chest, did the stuff that we needed to until the paramedics showed up, and uh, he passed away. I didn't sleep for about a year afterwards because I, the, the visceral feeling, the, the tactile, the, all of the senses would wake me up in the middle of the night, uh, feeling his body, seeing this scene, the horrific nature of of uh, experiencing death uh, in that moment. It, it, it shocked me. And it was, uh, it was something that uh, it took me a long time to reconcile. And I went through and questioned every single step I took along the way. And I remember about a year or so later uh, when the next gentleman had a heart attack. And I went to go work on him. And all of a sudden, his face... And his body turned into the face and the body of the gentleman that had passed away before. And I remember just getting tears in my eyes and I looked at him and I just, I screamed and I said, you're not fucking dying on me because I'm not sure I can go through this again. And uh, the one thing that really hit me, especially after the first one was um, just questioning all my choices. Did I make the right decision? Did I, uh, what if I had gotten there faster? What if I had 
pounded a little bit harder? What have I done more? Right? I questioned all of my choices. I can only imagine, relative to what you've been through, how difficult, because I sat in some shit for a really long time. It took me a long time to overcome. I can only imagine what it took to sit in the shit, to deal with the milieu of emotions, the the guilt, the shame, the frustration, the sadness, all of those different things. You've crafted a beautiful life for yourself. But I want to make sure we recognize this has come from a lot of internal work that you've done because there's got to be a lot of shit. And while I've not been through what you've been through, I can only imagine based on my own life, life experience and how difficult certain things were, what it would feel like to be in that situation. I recently had to protect my family from an intruder. Someone broke into our house you know, about a year or so ago uh, in the middle of the morning, or I mean early in the morning, and I had to protect my family from them, from this gentleman. And everything turned out fine. But I know that instinct that you're talking about, that literally killer instinct. And I remember when I saw him, and I knew what was happening, and I thought to myself, I'm not dying here, but he might if he goes towards my family. And if I have to die, then I'm going to do it, and he's coming with me because I will not let him go towards my family. And I will not let him inflict on my family what he potentially could inflict on my family. And when as soon as that instinct hit me, I lost everything in my mind. I didn't time, space, it all disappeared. And all I remember was hearing my own voice saying, What the fuck are you doing in my house? Get your fucking ass out of here. And I probably said that 500 times in the space of the minute or two that it took to get this guy out. And so that instinct, I can resonate with. The pain, I can't pretend to know what you went through, but I know it was deep. I know it was heavy. And part of the reason why I know it was deep and heavy is just because of the man that you are. And when I first met you, I could feel the depth. I could feel the stuff that you were going through. I could feel the fact that you were doing some deep work. Talk about that un- and unpacking it. Yeah. What does that look so, like? So, man, the deep, I mean, look, there's the deep work begins for me. I mean, man, first thing, first thing in the morning, the, the deep work begins as soon as I wake up, wake up. Mm. but no, in all in all realness, it's it's taking it's taking some very concentrated therapy, some very yeah. concentrated work with different type of shaman. It, mm. It's taken some very deep conversations uh, with 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 well sought out uh, individuals from all religious types. I've spoken yeah. to rabbis. I've spoken to Imams, I've spoken to every single person um, that that I could possibly reach um, to to offer me 
you know, just guidance and perspective, right? Yeah. You know, and, and, and over the years, the deep work that I've done has given me a lot of resolve. It's mm. given me a lot of clarity. It's um, it's allowed me it's allowed me to 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 find balance yeah. to find balance. Um, you know, recently I've had some some very close friends die. Uh, one was by suicide, other by, you know, some, a drug overdose, which could be kind of construed as a suicide, you know, mm. you know um, these, these things deeply rocked me. And I'm like, I know, I know who you are and I know the pain and the anguish that you was going through, but somehow, some way, I thought that they had enough strength to make it through a day, make it through yeah. another day. Yeah. For some reason, they, they didn't. And I'm, I'm here to kind of like just bear witness to people that like have faith in yourself, have love in yourself mm. and make it, make it, make it to the other day. Do the, go and do the deep work. Don't be lazy. Don't be fucking lazy with yourself. And there's a lot of lazy fucking people out there yeah. Um, that don't want to do the work that they, they know they're fucking hurt. They they know that they're some, they know they're bothersome and they, you know, you know that you're a general miserable ass person Yeah. and, and, and you got to go and do the, you got to go and do the work. I knew, I knew all of that stuff about me and I had to go and dig down in myself and just do the work. You yeah. got to do the work if you want to see a, a better day. I think that's you I think your life is a, is a great example of doing the work. You know, I think this is something yeah. you and I talked about um, before that far too many people today are um, not just ending their life uh, via suicide, but they're ending their growth and progression because they're they're getting drugged, uh, drug addicted, or there's alcohol, or they just stop growing and progressing. Right, they're they're ending an aspect of their life. They're stopping with their soul progression, or they choose to end their life. And your story is something that I believe has significant power, where people can say, "I'm going through some shit right now," but there's always another day. There's always something better in the future. There's always something better. There's always something better. And I mean, Steve, you know. There, there, there's always something better. And, you know, the, the, the issue with stories like this, right? You have these, this, this, this component of domestic violence. You have this component of gun violence. Yeah, right. um, these are very tough subjects. And there's very few people that have made it out, out of these type of things and have, uh, been successful, right? It's it's right. very few of us that can mentor and help people or even provide some sort of relief to people that has been through things like that. Um, and part of the second part of why I'm here is to kind of broadcast that there are guys like me out here that have been through a lot, that have a lot to offer 
um, to some of these younger, to the younger generations that's coming up that can't quite put a finger on what they're dealing with, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of young men that's coming up and they're finding themselves in environments and brand new income brackets and all of this new stuff. And they're from where I'm from, right? There's a lot of young men that's from where I'm from that's getting these great opportunities, whether they're athletes, actors, producers, CEOs, but they're coming from similar environments and they have this just this dark shadow of, of, um, of this stuff on them and they might not know how to communicate it. They yeah. might not know how to deal with it, but they just have to know that they can always take the next step. And guys like you and us, guys like you and I, that's why we're here. Your coaching program, your ability to do the type of stuff and the type of work that you do, this all exists on such a niche level that, you know, guys like us, we have to come together and we have to kind of broadcast yes. um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how, how we're working, right? Like my work is extremely deep. Um, it's exte- extremely private. It's very boutique the, the, the way that I exist. And I don't advertise a lot. I don't talk a lot about who I am or what I do. I try to just stay um, humble. But this kind of symbiotic relationships and broadcasting, Steve, is, is exactly what we need to reach, I feel, more niche people, people that are looking for a more boutique style of, of uh, interaction with, with, a, with a guy like me, with a therapist yeah. like yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. I, you're, there's another quote uh, from one of my favorite authors that had popped into my head as you're talking. What lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies <laughs> within us. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Um, I love that quote because... I hope now I'm, I tend to set goals that are way too big, but I hope a million people listen to this episode. I hope a million young men hear this episode. I hope a million mothers hear this episode. I hope a million fathers hear this episode. I hope a million people who are not present as fathers hear this episode and say, I need to be present. I hope a million people hear this and say, what can and I do? How can I, I show up? Yes. Right? Because the person right now that is struggling, the person that is dealing with the difficulty, believes that the past is, is what defines them and their future is non-existent. But what lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. And really the key to evolving past challenge decisions that we've had, the, the all of these things that we talked about today, it all lies in tapping into that peace that is deep within us and then learning the knowledge, skills, and abilities in order to move forward. It's uh, you're inspiring, my friend. Like I want to, I want to tell you, uh, thank you. I think I've said that a few times before we even got on, <laughs> but yeah, 
You have. Thank you. Thank you. But thank you. Thank you. I mean, the feeling, the feelings mutual, Steve. Um, listen, man. Um, I I knew that you would. I knew that you would have only only done the most right justice by me and by this story. That's why I was able to come to you. I knew that I could trust and, 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 and respect you. And I thank you for, for, um, for our continued friendship and, yeah. and all of our continued growth and conversations because we're going to be able to unpack some stuff because listen, man, there's a lot of statistics that we can talk about. Yeah. There's a lot of things yeah. that we can drill, drill down into. We don't have to really get into that today. Um, there's, there's this whole um, thing about the justice system one day, Steve, I, I would like to have a conversation with you about, man, yep. because we need to have that. seeing some of the, seeing, we, we just have to have that talk. And, you know, today, 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 I don't, I don't know um, how long ago it's been, but our country, you know, we have a big problem with these guns. There's always people dying, these, these deaths, you know, they make the news. But yeah. one day, Steve, we're going to have to have a very deep conversation uh, about about the gun violence kind of stuff, too, man. This stuff yeah. is just, uh, it's, it's, um, it's incredible. It's incredible the amount of havoc that that this is reaching that wreaking on people. And my story about gun violence is as 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 heartfelt and as hurt as it is, bro, it is pales in comparison probably to some of the stuff that's going on yeah, in no these in, in, in the breach right now. So it's important it's important that we, you know, our tribe and our community that we kind of like stick together and um we, we try to bring as much resolve as we can to, to some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully put. Yeah. And I think that, uh, again, I want to thank you for coming on and, and sharing your story, uh, being open about it and, um, controlling the narrative of it to say, Hey, this is my story and I'm going to tell it. And I'm going to tell the story in the way that is the most authentic, the most truthful, the most transparent, and in a way that uh, just by the nature of doing it that way is inspiring as hell. I mean, I feel honored. I feel grateful that you have shared this with me, shared it with our listeners. And like I said, I'm looking for this uh, to have a million downloads so that everybody can hear and be inspired by it. I want to read as we come to the end one more time that poem by William Ernest Henry uh, Henley, because I believe that uh, he wrote this based on your life out of the night that covers me black as the pit from pole to pole. I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul in the fell clutch of circumstance. I have not winced nor cried aloud under the bludgeonings of chance. My head is bloody, but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments of the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Nakia Cash, <laughs> the captain of your soul. 
for people Amen. to who may want to connect with you, um, what what's the best way for them to find you? I'm at all things stretch theory. Stretch theory is the name of the business. Um, I'm here in Atlanta, Georgia, beautiful neighborhood, Cascade. The I Instagram is stretch theory. I'm um, I'm there. Love it. Um, I'm there. So please reach out to me and um, give me a shout out if you can. Awesome. And we'll link all those uh, in the uh, notes uh, of the episode. Uh, again, Nakia, thank you so much for, for joining us and sharing your beautiful story with us. Uh, I hope you, our listeners, uh, took uh, a significant amount of wisdom and inspiration from this story. I know I'm walking out of this uh uh, this conversation, even though I know the story, I've heard it and uh, have had the the deep conversations about it with Nakia. I'm walking away uh, in in a a more enlightened way, and I feel a lot more depth to it as well. So uh, remember, folks, that it does take time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Evolve Podcast. Follow us on your favorite podcast app. And if you haven't done so, please give us a rating. As an independent podcast, it really helps us get more reach. This podcast is part of our mission to help millions of people evolve into the best versions of themselves. Please check out our coaching services at evolve-cast.com or pick up some of our Evolve merch. Until next time, keep evolving.